This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello, welcome to the Not Learn Ever podcast, bonus podcast this week, we decided to squeeze one in given everything that happened on Tuesday, deadline day, Natalie and Kevin are with me, no James, I'm afraid again he's on an aeroplane and devastated about the departure of Michael Cartley that we'll talk about next week, but so much to get through this He's week. left the country. <laughs> <laughs> Has he actually left the country? Is it all bad? <laughs> anyway, we'll do Cartley on um, next week's podcast. But another home win for Burnley. It honestly sounds like I'm repeating myself saying this all the time. Five in a row in the Premier League. 1-0 victory over Leicester at Turf Moor. And Natalie, we finally got a bit of luck. Oh my God, we certainly <laughs> did, didn't we? It was always... Obviously, when we've just been had those really frustrated moments when we've been um, particularly whinging about Arsenal doing us out of at least two points this season. Um, Darch has always been the one that stayed very calm and said, don't worry, I'm a big believer that these things even themselves out over the season. And we were like, yeah, right, whatever. And last night it absolutely did. Now, I feel for Leicester in that it's not Leicester's fault that we've been completely shafted in other areas. So I think it, if it had been a game against Arsenal where it had happened, it would have been a true um, even itself out. But obviously Leicester will either get before the end of the season a bit of luck their way if they haven't already at some point this season had it evened out but last night we managed to get three points instead of one so I think those two points very much even themselves out um, for the two points we were robbed at Turf Moor when Kishelny put it in the back of the net with his hand but yes we got the rub of the green saying that it was a very very well deserved three points I don't think there's any question that we were completely battered in that game and, and just had to do a smash and grab in the 80 odd minute we were the second sorry we were the best side out of the uh, two Leicester were second best in pretty much all areas um, I was really pleased to see how much we dominated midfield as well and last night just three points were I think just topped off a really classic performance by the Clarets yeah what I liked is that we really kept going to the end um, it felt like as it got towards the last 20 minutes or so, Leicester had decided that a draw was going to be enough. You always play on the break anyway, but after that, they were really sitting in. Um, but we obviously brought Volks on, we tried to be positive, we kept going. I think the, the presence of Joey Barton in midfield made sure that, that always happens, that you're just going to keep going right to the end. And it, it felt like a goal was going to come, obviously. 
shouldn't have actually counted. <laughs> but given what happened at Arsenal last week, Kev, given what happened against Arsenal earlier in the season, given all the penalties we should have had, including one last night when Michael Keane was pushed in the box, it's difficult not to just feel like we were due this. We were due something to go our way. Yeah, of course. Um, obviously, in an ideal world, we have um, something in place to make sure that this doesn't happen ever, so that we wouldn't, it wouldn't, we wouldn't have to even it out because um, it would be something in place to stop it happening in the first place. But yeah, I mean, th- these things generally tend to—it's a bit of a cliche, but they tend to kind of even themselves out in some way. And I think, I think also you look at the goal, and actually, you know, it does strike Sam Vox's arm, but. It's it's certainly not as bad as some of the, the ones we've had against us. It's, it's I think you you watch I was watching the highlights this morning it, and the commentators. It took them until like the fourth replay to really be completely sure that it, it has struck his arm. Um, yeah, it's, it so, seemed to bounce up onto his arm off off it, his thigh or something. So it's yeah, really harsh. Anyway, he definitely controls it with his arm and gets an advantage. But it's not deliberate in that situation. What I also liked is uh, Danny Drinkwater was trying to punch the ball away on the line. They're about all complaining that. about handball. Sorry. <laughs> They're all complaining about handball. And Danny Drinkwater was trying to punch it. Like, well... Yeah, I think the difference is that Sam Vaux's was accidental. <laughs> yeah. uh, and Drinkwater's is, is generally leaping up. He looks like a goalkeeper. So, Not yeah, like it's a bit... goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Leicester had two goalkeepers and still couldn't keep the goal out. That's how good Sam Vaux's is. Um, I thought Vaux's had a really positive impact, actually, Natalie. That's two games that he really scored. I felt like he had a bit of a... A poor run in the last few weeks, but he seems to be getting back to his best. And I didn't think Barnes played that well last night, so I'd maybe be thinking about starting votes at Watford. Um, yes and no with those comments. I completely agree with you with folks. I think um, for all of our possession and for all of our really quite spectacular passing in some bits of the park, I never really felt like we were going to score. Um, it felt like we were a little bit wasteful with some chances and we I thought it was just going to be nil-nil, which, don't get me wrong, I, I think would have still been a, a pretty good result. As soon as Vokes came on, just something changed in that side and I, at that point I genuinely felt like we were going to score. Um, so I wasn't surprised at all that we did and I wasn't surprised that Vokes was the one who, who managed to get his head slash chest slash arm on it and put it over the over the line um i don't think i 100 percent agree with you with barnes's performance um yeah he's he's never going to be our most technically gifted player on the pitch he's never going to be um an absolute star but i actually thought that he i don't i wouldn't I, don't, I wouldn't agree that i think that he didn't play well last night i actually thought he, he did some really good uh movement i I felt like he won a lot more balls from the air than Vokes sometimes does. Vokes is very good in the air and he does win a few, but he also misses quite a lot as well. He can be guilty of jumping far too early. Um, when he gets them and he gets his head on them, he pretty much wins them. Barnes last night didn't win a lot of headers in his aerial battle with, with the lesser defender and he chested them quite a few down well and managed to get them to some of the midfielders who were picking up um, the loose ball. So, yeah, I agree. Maybe up front he wasn't as um, as sharp as we would want him to be and I don't think he was ever going to score, score. Sorry, But in terms of making a nuisance of himself, making it difficult for the Leicester back line and also winning that aerial battle up front, I think he did really well last night. I probably agree agree with you in that Sam maybe has done enough to start fighting his way back into the side um, but I don't know whether that 
I don't know if that will happen or not yet. I think I suspect that Dyche will start with with Barnes again on Saturday, but maybe bring Vokes on a little earlier if and keep doing it earlier and earlier if yeah. um, Barnes I mean, is I, not working. Vokes has proven that he can make a difference from the from the bench. So the argument is the status quo has worked. So there's no reason to really change it. Um, I just felt Barnes got a bit bullied last night. Hooth and Morgan are obviously very big, very strong defenders. Barnes didn't seem to get any decisions. Didn't seem to me to win as much in the air as normal. And touch on him yourself, he's just not really a, a goal threat. The couple of times he went for goal last night, it was really ambitious, never really going to score. And for all the criticism of Volts not being prolific, he's got almost as many as Gray this season. So um, Yeah, that's true. That's, that's the change I think might be considered for, for Watford, certainly. Um, Gray, by the way, was outstanding last night. Oh my really, God, really wasn't it? Doesn't he? Yeah, was really sharp. He gave them a torrid. Who's couldn't handle him? Who's really couldn't no, handle what him? What I liked as well, he seems to have um, only really started seeing him doing it the last few weeks. He gets the ball into his feet now, and he starts rolling the defender. Which yeah, he does. He never really had to do last year in the championship because he was just knocking the ball past people and running past them. But they engage so much tighter in the Premier League. You've got to be able to roll them. And, to be able to roll a player as big and strong as, as Robert Heath, uh, really, really impressive. Um, other really impressive individual performances last night came in the two lads in midfield, Jeff and Joey, the dream team, um, in the absence of Dean Marnie. Both very, very good, although it was it was quite an open game, which I wondered was partly down to Marnie not being out there. Yeah, absolutely. I think they were both absolutely fantastic. Um, I think we... It's it's really testament, really. I think to the the way we we, we operate, and also to the to the, the individuals and the, the way that we're playing as a team. You look at Jeff Hendrick had a, a, a slow start to his Burnley career. Um, there was a couple of standout games early on, um, but it, it, it was probably more of the um, average games. And but the last the last few weeks, he's been absolutely phenomenal and probably one of our, our, our best players goal, since the goal against Bournemouth, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and. Joey Barton, you look at this is not. You look at Joey Barton. It's hard to believe this is somebody who looked out of place in the SPL and then hasn't played um, competitive football really uh, for yeah. for kind of three first, months or so. Premier League start for us. Right. When he came out and said that it was because Scottish football was rubbish, people were scoffing at him. But that's kind of what it looks like. <laughs> it's just like so much better than the league. It just didn't work. Yeah, I think you look at you look at Joey Barton and and. For you know, I, 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 I didn't watch him for Rangers, but I heard a lot of reports that he looked. It just it, it wasn't very good there, um, as, as well as kind of a falling out. He didn't really have much of an impact on the pitch, and it, I think it's just testament to the way that he fits into this Burnley team. Um, obviously, you know, off the, off the field, he seems a lot more sensible at Burnley. Have that uh, he went he he did, he did a Joey Barton when he was at Rangers, uh, whereas in the, the year and now a bit more than a year, he's been with with um, Sean Dyche and the Burnley team. He's been the model professional. Has been it's kind like of. So there's definitely something about Joey Barton at Burnley which just makes him kind of become a, a real player and yeah, he certainly looked he looked like he completely belongs here in the Premier League. He looks he looked younger than his thirty four years and if he can put more performances like that, we've got a real real treat in the middle. If we can keep the likes of um DeFore, um Hendrick and Barton um going in for that those midfield slots, we're going to have a, a fantastic central midfield. And of course, the new arrival Asher Russell will come on to the, the deadline day deals um, a bit later. Talking about the midfield, Natalie, we, we've obviously all been a bit concerned about Barton's ban. 
Stephen Defoe went off injured last night. It looked like he was carrying something quite early. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Interestingly, it was obviously a very early exit for Defoe last night. It was about 33 minutes he went off, but for a good 15 minutes before he went off. So even as early as sort of 10, 15 minutes into the game, we were all saying, what is wrong with Defoe? Has he even touched the ball yet? He never got going at all. He looked um, very, very slow and he just didn't look comfortable at all. So I suspect that this, he's either pulled up straight away in the game or he wasn't 100% yeah, he seems like the sort of player who's always going to have something a bit wrong. And yeah, it's exactly. Just whether you, you risk it and how how close to one hundred percent is he going to be when he's still able to have an impact on games? Yeah, I suspect that's what happened last night, and it, they took very quick action. So I think they obviously knew that they were going to keep an eye on it. So in some respects, it wasn't a huge drama when he went off because he wasn't in the game to start off with, and we were effectively having to play with ten men, which is is not ideal. So um, I thought that when the, the the changes were made, I think the, the team settled a lot more. Leicester set off the blocks at a hundred miles an hour yesterday, and first ten minutes I was absolutely bricking it because I just thought this is going to be a really tough game, and um, they'd obviously been told to come out and really go for it and to put us on the back foot. Now, they didn't maintain that for the full 90 minutes, but certainly the first sort of 10, 15 minutes or so, they looked um, quite painfully strong. Um, midfield options, it does feel like we were all elated last night with two very good signings in midfield, but then it always happens to Burnley, doesn't it? You, you sign a couple and, and a couple get injured. And you know, we were almost joking last night saying that Deitch needs to get a call to the, the board saying, you know, get a couple more in. I don't think we're done yet in the last hour of the transfer window. But, you know, going back to what you were saying, Jamie, I thought um, Barton and Hendrick were incredible in the central midfield last night. Joey looked so, so good. So good. I I think that last night was potentially one of his best performances he's ever played in a Burnley shirt over both seasons. He was like a man possessed and he was in control all the time. Um, I, I wonder whether, and I, I think mine, I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to apologise for it. I'm going to come over all conspiracy theorists here. I'm, so disclaimer for our listeners. As For as good as his technical ability was last night, personality-wise, he was very quiet and he seemed very subdued on the pitch. Not from a focus perspective. So his focus, his technical ability and his control on the game were absolutely phenomenal. But do you know how Joe is quite an extrovert character? He's always shouting at people. He was very, very quiet last night. To the point where I suddenly thought in the back of my head, does he know what Banny's getting? And to the point where, I'm not saying that this is the case, but if it gets announced tomorrow that he's got a 15-game ban and he's going to rip up his contract and that's it, he's not going to play again. I wouldn't be surprised. I know it does, doesn't it? It's going to be like 10 years. (laughs) He's never playing again. But seriously, if they they come out and say he's got a really lengthy ban and that's it, he might not play again for the rest of the season, I wouldn't be surprised because I I would have felt like, oh, that explains his mood. Now, that might be me trying to read into something that just isn't there. So let's not panic, listeners. You know, I'm not saying here, oh, my God, something's wrong with Joey. I I suspect Natalie's trying to sneakily do a return of the reverse psychology here. (laughs) Joey Barton's going to get a 15-game ban. It'll be announced it's like 500 quid fine or something. (laughs) Oh, I really hope that that works. I'm taking credit for that, even though you imposed that reverse psychology. But yeah, no, then saying that, that's the only thing for me that made me... That wasn't a criticism of his performance, by the way. It was an an observation where I was like, oh, he's very quiet. It just, his persona was very quiet, where he's usually shouting at everybody, geeing up the people, you know, like he's he's a real leader on the pitch. He wasn't a leader last night. He was technically by far the best player on the pitch and absolutely dominated that midfield game 
but his personality was a little bit introverted last night. So I just wondered whether either A, he knows what Banny's getting and it's bad news, or B, because the deadline passed last night, he's now worried because he's enjoying his football and he doesn't want it to end. So that was that was a, a weird one for me last night. Maybe he was just nervous. It was like, first Premier League Nah. Nah. Joey Barn doesn't get nervous He's decided to lead by example. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Like I say, I'm not, I'm not, this is not an in the know section, listeners. I don't have any interior <laughs> notes. This was just my, oh, that just struck me as being an uncharacteristically quiet personality for yeah. him last night. So I just wonder whether this is, there's a psychological impact of this pending announcement. All talk of being in the know is now banned until. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the next it. Transfer window. I've had enough of ITK people for a lifetime, I think. Um, oh god amen to that <laughs> Kev talking about midfield options uh, we will come on to Westwood in more detail but the only concern I've got over Barton and Hendrick is if they played a 2 against a 3 last night both teams were 4-4-2 I think that's why partly it was such an open game there was a lot of space out there we don't usually see that but Barton's mobility if, if there's an extra body in the other team is that a little bit of a concern I'm just Picking holes really after the midfield. Um, uh, do you know I, I'm not really sure really because I think um, it'll be a big big test for for Joy. It would be interesting to see how he gets on. But I think he, he's the type of player where his his mobility uh, isn't a big part of his game. He doesn't need it, which I think is probably why he still continues to be so effective at an advanced stage now I think he's the sort of player he reads the game so exceptionally well that he may, he almost makes up for that lack of mobility by being able to, being able to see things that, that kind of a quarter of a second before um, before him out do otherwise so you'd hope that that's not that's not going to be a big issue obviously he played in a he played in a two um, in a two last season albeit in a very different league um, but yeah, I, 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 it's not something that I'm particularly concerned of. It might be interesting to see to see what happens, um, but I, I've got I've got full confidence. I think what what he his strengths make up for that. What could be a, a slight weakness? Yeah, that's true. Um, one of the reasons we, we were desperate to get a podcast out this week is that we, we were all expecting Barton's punishment to be announced um, in the next few days, and there was just going to be so much to talk about on next week's podcast. Um, we thought we'd try and squeeze a quick one in uh, this week. It was meant to be a short one, but we always try and do short ones. It ends up being 45, 50 minutes, so sorry about that. <laughs> but next up, let's go over to Natalie for this week's Tweet of the Week. Tweet of the Week, Tweet of the Week. Tweet of the Week, Tweet of the Week. Tweet of the Week, Tweet of the Week, Tweet of the Week. Indeed. This week's tweet of the week. There were there were many to choose from last night, really, but it was uh, it was quite difficult not to just... Well, I, I guess there were a lot of tweets last night that were all in the same vein and they all talked about amazing Burnley beating the champions, amazing Burnley with nine now home wins and we're going to stay up and also amazingly um, a, a fantastic transfer window. So I picked um, one that made me laugh a little bit by Matthew Dickinson. Um, and I think the reason why I picked this tweet is just because we have been quite well, a combination of critical of and frustrated with our board in previous transfer windows where we have seen them as being lacking in ambition in terms of transfer targets and what they are prepared to pay for certain um, players. And I would like to hold my hand up and obviously acknowledge the support that the board have given to Sean Dyche in these both transfer windows, especially this one. So my tweet of the week goes to Matthew Dickinson, who says... 
Burnley have just been described as the day's biggest spenders on Sky. What is going on in my life? So indeed, Matthew, that won this week's, this midweek's Tweet of the Week. Very, very, very strange. <laughs> At one point in the day, we were the only Premier League clubs to have completed a deal, so we'd spent more than the rest of the league put together. Together. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think even with the the deals that went through right at the end, we are still uh, we're still up there for sure. For yeah, certainly deadline day, not maybe not the whole window. Uh, no, I agree. Whole. Um, Kevin was talking to Adam last night about the transfers, and he said it was um, an improvement in strategy on what we've seen in previous windows. There's a suggestion that the interest in Snodgrass was to force Brady uh, Norwich's hand for Brady. Should I say, if if that's the case, it worked out. The way I see it, we actually did want Snodgrass, and I don't think we'd have signed Brady if we'd got Snodgrass, but probably thought that that was always unlikely. But the main difference is we landed our targets this time, didn't we? After all the players we've missed out on in the last two or three years, we got two big deals over the line, players that are going to make a big difference for the rest of the season, Ashley Westwood and Robbie Brady, smashing our club record for the third time this season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think What's it's. Someone think it's... of the dry powder. <laughs> I know. I wonder if Cranker was watching as we uh, sign those deals over. <laughs> Can you imagine? He'll be having another meltdown. He'll be he'll be having another, another meltdown somewhere. Trying to sign Hesse, Boyan, Snodgrass. They ended up with Adeline Guediora from Watford. Yeah, the well done, <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think you know uh, one of our huge criticisms of uh, the previous Premier League campaign is that our, our transfer we, we weren't we either weren't ambitious enough in the transfer window, or we just didn't have that the the ability to get the, the right deals over the line. Um, obviously, we were going for the likes of Troy Deeney and ended up with uh, Marvin Sordell, which is a <laughs> a bit of a, a bit of a come down. You look at the, the quality of our signings, uh, uh, the quality of our signings that time compared to this time. You know, we've got Duke and Sordell, um, whereas now we've got the likes of Robbie Brady and um, Stephen Defoe and Jeff Hendrick, and it's I think there's, there's, there's a combination of that it probably have been a bit smarter this time around. Um, Knowing the market a bit more effectively, uh, being a bit a bit cleverer with the market and being a bit more organised, I think um, there's also the the fact that we were willing to uh, invest a bit more. Um, I think we the, the fees that were being abandoned about for Troy Dean it didn't seem ridiculous, um, but we just weren't willing to pay them. Whereas I think this this time we've had about we've had that bit more confidence to to actually go out there and yeah let's 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 invest that money and we can put it into the put it into the team and hopefully have a, a long term investment rather than being a bit more cautious, which I think we were a bit too cautious last time. Um, and it probably helps being so, performing so well in the in the league uh, at this point that in, yeah. in the middle of the season we were able to budget next season's cash. Yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, I, I think it, there's a combination there of being um, bolder, uh, being more ambitious, but also being a bit smarter, and it's it's fantastic to see. I think we've got fantastic. We, we we talked in the last podcast saying we were we've got very good squads as it is, and we we'd be ha- relatively happy with the uh, with the squad going forward. Meant consider on the proviso that we we kept um, most of them fit and and available for most of the season. Uh, we're happy with our, our first eleven, but I think. Bringing in the likes of of Brady and uh, and Westwood really elevate the squad that little bit further and gives us that, that extra depth in key areas. And you know, we, we you look at the, um, the the game last night and we had Arfield and Boyd on the wings for most of the match. Um, and 
with all due respect to them, they're 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 playing at the very where we want to be is probably not where their ability is. Um, and you look at the yeah, players we've been let, bringing in for like. Let's be fair; they're not top half Premier League players, are they? No, absolutely. So, but you look at that, and we we got a win against Leicester against the Premier League champions. Although obviously they're very different kind of Premier League champions, they're still Premier League champions. And you look at that, and if we can then bring in swap those two players out and bring in Goodmanson and Brady, and it elevates the team to such a fantastic level, it makes you really, really excited for the second half of the season. If we can, obviously Goodmanson's had his season disrupted by a couple of injuries, so hopefully we can get him back in the team and get him fully fit for the rest of the season. Get Brady and get him. Um, in the team for the rest of the year and it gives us that something we've been lacking at times which has been that bit of creativity going forward um, so it's it's super super exciting yeah the thing about we've talked about Brady on podcast before because our interest was, was so obvious in him but he, he seems to do everything that Boyd does but have that extra quality so he, he just looks like a, a clear upgrade but he'll still do all the running and all the defensive work and fit into the framework everything Dash demands but with the extra winger, wingerish qualities that Burnley fans like to see from wide midfielders. Um, Natalie, the other deal though, Ashley Westwood, under the radar a bit this one, didn't really hear the name throughout January, but a player that we were linked with uh, last summer, described himself as a Michael Carrick type midfielder previously. Mm, he seems yeah. uh, a bit in the, the Dave Jones mode for me, someone who's going to keep it quite safe be unfussy, unspectacular, but yeah. do a pretty solid job for us. It's a competition signing, really, isn't it, Westwood? Yeah, I think so. Um, I've heard quite a lot of pundits and, and experts and, and other um, outlets describing him as, as quite um, an unfussy player. And I think I, I think um, I saw last night Rio Ferdinand said, and he meant this without any disrespect to Burnley whatsoever, he said he was a perfect fit for Burnley. He said because he's not, a massive star, he said, and I don't mean that in the sense that Burnley don't deserve those players, but the, the, the side that Sean Dyche has built is a side full of players that work hard, there aren't any egos there, they work for the team, they do their roles and they do what they're told for the good of the game. And he said he said that, that Westwood fitted into that mould very well and I think that was encouraging to hear from others within the game who aren't obviously got an affinity to Burnley. So I expect that that is um, going to be a good sign and I expect that he'll be versatile and he'll, he'll, he'll play well for Deitch. I think there's been some questions over his attitude. I think he's had a rough time at Villa, hasn't he? Um and a lot of Villa fans are quite scathing of him saying that he, you know, is is being quite he hasn't really fit in there and he's just been there to collect his fee and obviously didn't care about them. And sometimes you just don't get a good fit with a club. But if there's any manager out there who can mould a player who just needs to refocus and, and get some uh, work ethic back, then it's Sean Dyche. So I'm not concerned about that at all. I tend to not really care about players previous when they come to us because they should be given a clean slate to do what they want. God, look at Barton, for God's sake. He's you know, been an absolute term star for us so i'm pleased to see him i'm pleased to see like you say that utility man and just being able to be versatile and and to, to play i think he's going to be a really good addition and like you say you know when we have got when we do need to change tactics a little bit um and if Dutch is going to be a little bit more proactive and, and be braver with some of his decisions then we've now got a player who can fit in and give us a different dynamic yeah, I think it was. We talked last week, didn't we, about with Marnie being out, it was going to be crucial to bring an extra body. It means that we can play three in midfield and have um, someone else in reserve rather than just uh, being having to bring on Tarkovsky. 
So yeah, Westwood comes in obviously with um, Bob potentially suspended. Defoe hopefully not seriously injured. Um, could have a role to play at the weekend. At Watford, Westwood and Brady adding to the options. Then Kevin, we already everyone assumes Brady's going to straight into the team. The combination with Hendrick is really particularly interesting. The two lads played school football together, I think it was. Obviously, fellow Republic of Ireland internationals. Hendrick posted an Instagram last night. I'd had a long day covering deadline. <laughs> I was getting quite emotional looking at this picture of Hendrick and Brady at home in army. He said something like, welcome, buddy. Like, oh, my God. But having... I went proper fangirl when that picture <laughs> went up, by the way. <laughs> Kevin, having these these connections, it, it's, it really helps on the pitch, having players that know each other, know each other's game. And Hendrick and Brady's got the potential to be a, a really high-class combination for us. It does, yeah, and I think it fits well into the the, the, the environment that Sean Dyche has built. Um, you, a lot of players talk about it being uh, a much closer dressing room than other clubs. Um, and I think Dyche from day one has been very keen to to manufacture an almost like a, almost like a, a family feel to the to, to the club and keeping a you know a relatively a relatively small small squad. Um, I think there's a big focus on on personality in the players he brings in. Um, there's a big focus on everybody doing it for each other, um, and I think I think that environment works really well. Um, and I think that means that the, the dynamic between Brady and and Hendrick will should work fantastically well. And I think there was a lot of talk about Hendrick being key to to bring in um, Brady in. Um, they're report they're very good friends, and and that Hendrick was. Giving him a, a bit of a, a few texts to uh, persuade him to to come over over to over to Burnley, and and yeah, I think just of it brings out something off the field. Uh, like I said, that 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 close knit family feel, but also on the field, you know, we play together for for Ireland as well, and they're just they're going to know each other's games inside out, which I think is going to be particularly important when. Maybe not not long term because um, you, you develop that long term, but short term when you come in halfway through a season, it can be sometimes be be difficult. It can sometimes take a few games to to get to get that you know that relationship with the other players going and working out how each other works. Uh, and obviously, Brady's still got to do that with uh, with the other players, but um, having that relationship already built with with Hendrick will really help with that. You know, it's not like if pre if you sign somebody in the summer, we've got that pre season, we've got friendlies to, to to play together and develop those um, that dynamic between the different players. But oh, a, a January signing signing doesn't usually have that so with Hendrick and, and Brady playing together and knowing each other, that should be really, really helpful in getting him effective straight straight away, which could be um, should be really important for us, particularly with some important um, away games coming up, which is the sort of game where we really need. I think that's when we've really lacked the, the player like Brady. We've been doing all right at home, which is a bit of an understatement, but we've been lacking that creativity um, away from home. Um, so it, with some really important away games coming up, that should be really important for him to be able to kick on straight away and be really have an instant impact. Yeah, I think Brady's set pieces are going to add a whole new dimension. Obviously, Defoe's set pieces are good, but when he's not on the pitch, I think they'll take a, a big dive. Um, Alfield put a couple of good ones in last night, actually. There was the one Ben Mee should have probably scored from, and the one we scored from was a, an Arfield corner as well, wasn't it, that Keane won the, the first header, but Generally, I don't think Arfield set pieces are really um, Premier League class, shall we say. So that's probably an area where Brady could make an immediate difference. Um, talking about the combination play, some fantastic triangles between 
Hendrik Gray and Lawton down the right last night, but I wonder if with Brady presumably going to play on the left, Stephen Ward left back, you play Hendrik on the left of the, of the, the midfield too and have a little all-island all little triangle there. Anyone out there who plays FIFA knows that that's really good for chemistry when you play the same nationality. Presumably real football works exactly the same as um, FIFA Ultimate Team. Of course. <laughs> but, Natalie, it's just it's so great to see Burnley having a real crack at it this time. It's about £40 million spent over the course of the season now. Uh, £15 million splashed on deadline day. For once, we can't say, well, we could have had more of a go in the transfer market. We've done everything that we could have really asked for. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we've all been saying for some time now that midfield, 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 win, wingers. And, and whilst there have been some, some talk about maybe um, co- uh, getting some covering for other areas, I think left-back was, was one, wasn't it, that the whole player that... Uh, was it Robertson? Is that the right yeah, person? Yeah, I'm we've not even mentioned him, but yeah, apparently um, we were keen to do that, had a bid accepted, and then Hull were just like, we can't sell any more players. Yeah, so and that's fair enough. I suspect that um, they're probably just trying to just take stock for, for the championship now, unfortunately. Um, so that would have been nice. And I think we talked a couple of weeks ago about how another striker would have been nice. But they weren't nice to have. They weren't essentials where midfield was an essential, especially with, with Marnie getting injured. And I, as I said, when we were talking through the tweet of the week, you, you cannot, you can't fault the board for this. They've backed Deitch, they've spent the money. And it looks like what, it looks like what they probably aimed to do was they had a, a pot of money they were going to spend before the transfer window. They were a little, sorry, before the season started, they were being a little bit cautious just in case we really did struggle again to find our feet and it looked like we weren't going to survive. And um, so they didn't overstretch themselves. But once it became apparent in January that we look like we're going to stay up this season, then they committed more money on the basis that we're going to get an extra 40 million than we would if we survived than we would have done if we went down. And you can't fault that. It's a, it's a perfect combination of showing um, ambition that's appropriate to the level of business that Burnley have got, but also a cautiousness to make sure that we don't find ourselves in in financial distress if we should get relegated. I think a good point as well that um, actually I'm going to give him the credit for it. My other half mentioned um, he said that he was pleased with the kind of players that they were investing in on the grounds that they were building themselves assets. So even though they were branching out and they were spending some of this money, if um, if a disaster happens and either we don't win another game from now to the end of the season and we go down or we go down next year, we have players who are attractive to other clubs for big money who we can sell to get rid of the wages and to recover some of that money back. We're not making bad signings. We're not making silly signings for people who are, you know, won't be interested um, to move or, you know, other clubs won't be interested in. We're, we're being saddled with expensive players and expensive wages. We've sold well and we're building ourselves our assets that will protect us if things do go a little bit south. And I'm, I'm really pleased to see that. Yeah, I think um, that that was the main reason maybe for Brady over Snowgrass, wasn't it? Snowgrass is 29, Brady's 24. So yeah, definitely. like resale value, Brady can get better with us. Snowgrass is maybe at the top of his game already. Um, and he was probably just looking for his, his last big contract, wasn't he, really? Um, which is probably partly why he went to um, West Ham. So shame about Robertson. Like, I really, really like Robertson. I wonder if we might revisit that one in the summer. I suspect we will, if yeah. If we'll get relegated. I mean, everyone knows I'm a massive fan of Stephen Ward, but Ward's 32 in August, so we need to be planning ahead um, at some point. If if a player like Robertson at about 10 million, it seems like an no-brainer. 
Yeah, it does. You've said this on, on previous episodes, Jamie, and I agree with you in the saying that you've always got to be looking at, at upgrading and you've always got to be looking at changing because every single season that goes past, players get a little bit older. Yes, while the experience is really good, how do you then keep getting that squad better and better and better? And you do it by adding little bits at each transfer window strengthening the key areas that you need to and building in a bigger squad where you get a bonus opportunity to and bringing in the likes of Tarkovsky and Robertson will just mean we've got a constant stream of quality players as either injury suspensions or lack of form kicks in. Yeah, weirdly, um, we used to do succession planning for strikers really well. So we had like, Ings was there when Austin left and Austin was there when Rodriguez left and there always seems to be one behind and that's the area that we don't know. But in a lot of other areas around the pitch, we've got that succession. Even like popping goal for for heating, it's really odd how it's worked out that way. But I, I assume we're saying striker in the summer. Um, one thing I need to bring up now, Kevin, because I forgot and I was going to go straight to predictions is the FA Cup draw. Burnley at home to Lincoln City, which I called on Twitter, but apparently no bonus predictions points for that. I've been told no bonus points, which is a shame because I could really use them. <laughs> Don't want to count chickens, but. A non-league team at home, um, Kevin's just disappeared, so Natalie, a non-league team at home, it, it feels like Burnley got one foot in the quarterfinals. I know. You don't want to be too positive, do you? Yeah. You, don't you don't want, want to, to, it, to count your chickens. Given our no. home form and the, exactly. the obvious golfing class between anything can happen in the cup, but Burnley anything, should exactly. win I think I'd be more nervous if we were away at Lincoln. I think that would be more worrying um, and I'd be like, oh God. Uh, but at Turf Moor, you just think, really, how how is this going? You know, you can only see it going one way. Interestingly, I, I read that um, the Lincoln manager, when he was obviously basking in his fourth round glory and he was asking, he was being asked what um, what, he, what Drew wanted. Now, bearing in mind that this this can always be Chinese whispers, but this is what I'd read um, in an article. Uh, it wasn't in one of the press, I think. And he'd said, um, oh, obviously, any Premier League side away from home will be fine. And he went, oh, any, any preference? And, he, and apparently the, the Lincoln manager went, oh, any apart from one? And they said, oh, who do you not want? And he went, I don't want Burnley away. And they just went, why? I said, because they just don't lose at Turf Moor. And it was like it was quite interesting that out of all of the Premier League games he wanted away from home, he didn't want us just because it, it, he wanted, even though he probably knows he's going to go to, uh, he could go to Arsenal, Chelsea, United, and still lose. It, it, you know, he felt like they were the ones that he might just get an upset if he got them on the wrong day. But he, he just deemed it to have zero chance at Turf Moor. It's like, well, it's, it's over for us now. We're not going to do it. So that's quite that's quite good from our point of view because if, if the manager's already got that defeatist attitude already, then we'll just play into that because we won't be. We'll be looking at that to get through to the quarters easily. Um, but it's quite interesting to see that um, all the Premier League sides missed each other, which is probably yeah. the only downside of the draw. We could have liked a couple of top like, six. Uh, Chelsea yeah. United or City the Arsenal yeah. knock a couple Yeah, out. exactly. Get a couple of them out. Um, there's a potential, if there's no shocks, that it's a, it's an all-Premier League quarter-final, yeah. which then makes it a little bit harder for us it does, to try and get through it's to It's quite the final. rare you get that far without having to beat someone good. Yeah. It, that's I, true. I, no, I think we're going to be the only Premier League team to win. We're going to be there. We're going to be the only ones left in. Really? No, I don't get really. Get that in the predictions league. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Kevin Lincoln at home, it's it's a dream draw from my point of view. I reckon it'll probably be on telly, so hopefully it'll still be a big crowd, but yeah, considering we made eight, nine changes for the Sunderland games, the Bristol City game, got through quite comfortably, it's really difficult to see anything other than Burnley in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. It is, yeah. Obviously, we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. Yeah, but... in all respect to Lincoln, but realistically, like... 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think just just as a fan as well, I think it's 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 quite it's probably one of the better draws to get. Um, this I don't think there's anything worse um, in the cup than than getting a team in your own division, uh, particularly yeah, like, like Middlesbrough away to win horrible. Yeah, and I think it, one of the, the magic things about the cup um, is is those matchups that you just don't get very often. Um, so even if we'd got you know kind of one of the, like, a, you know, a, a, a championship team or something like that, it, it still doesn't have that kind of that same allure uh, for want of a better word. Um, yeah, it'll feel like and, a real event, won't it? Yeah, yeah. So probably yeah, less for Lincoln, but only for, probably not the most glamorous of the Premier League clubs that I'd want to go to. No, but I think it's better than it's better than some of the. Uh, it's still a Premier League club, which is still yeah, yeah, very quite exciting for them. Um, and yeah, I think it's, it's one definitely to look forward to. Both um, yeah, just as the as the as an FA Cup event, but also as a very winnable game. And taking us one further to me, and I think me and Natalie have both said that we're going to win the cup. Um, yeah, so we that, did. I do we have did. money on it, which I think is preferable. <laughs> I was going to say, well, judging by your look, I think that's probably <laughs> more worrying than our predictions. <laughs> Harsh. <laughs> so yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about the FA Cup uh, next week's podcast. It's um, a week on Saturday, isn't it? Well, just just to, just to say, Jamie, if you if you're predicting we're going to win the cup, then that's that's it. it. Just put money we're, on it. We're, we're not going to win because look, look looking at the, the predictions league table, then we don't um, need to look at the predictions. Your, I know you can't do a segue, but I've got something else to do before that. <laughs> come to anything, in a anything you're predicting is guaranteed not to happen. I'm not so I'm just betting on this different thing, different thing. Before we come on to predictions, I've got the latest um, thank yous for people who pledged to our successful Kickstarter. Raised over a thousand pounds on our Kickstarter, and that's why we're doing Sunday podcasts, and we're going to interview a couple legends and have a live event. All this stuff's going to be going on between now and the end of the season. So, big thank yous go to John Percival, Michael McHugh, Nathaniel Hammond, Andrew Tipler, Nathan Mark, Ryan Truman, Matthew Morrow, John Taylor, Greg Evans, and Mike Marder. All of those people pledged to our Kickstarter. So, thanks to them but let's get it over with don't have much time so make it snappy kevin predictions just oh yada 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 (laughs) did you predict one nil by any chance predictions predictions it's the prediction (laughs) oh he's teasing us now he's teasing us get on with this Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm muted. I was just talking away. I'm, I'm muted. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. I thought you were sake. shuffling files to try and build tension. <laughs> I thought he was just going to come in with some boom. Yes, I did it again. Come on, well. Kevin. <laughs> Get on with it. Well, what mm. a week. Oh, oh, that last time. <laughs> <laughs> trying to have a catchphrase. <laughs> But the last three week, the last few weeks have all been spectacular as far as the Predictions League have, got, have gone, I think. I don't, um, I don't <laughs> think either. Only one of us predicted a 1-0 win. the rain again. When it's raining, um, it's always the war scoring. Uh, I don't think it's any surprise who which one of us won't predicted that 1-0 win. Um, yeah, I predicted a 1-0 win, which was, which was obviously right, because that's what my predictions tend to be. Um, everyone else was far too optimistic. Everyone else uh, thought we were going to score two or three goals. We actually um, complain. <laughs> too optimistic. I assume... Um, it's none of the history Jill. made, then. But that's it, yeah. Gina, it was Gina. Gina. Sorry, Gina sent us an email saying we were too optimistic and it was making her head hurt. So sorry, Gina. <laughs> and looking at these numbers on this spreadsheet, we are now statistically too optimistic. <laughs> so uh, next time anyone accuses of being negative, we can just fire miss at them. 
Um, Do you know, I'd forgotten last night that you'd made this prediction, Kevin, and then I'd, after the adrenaline had run, run down a good five minutes after we'd scored, and one of the listeners who, who sits on, on my road just literally turned around to me and went, did Kevin not predict 1-0? I was like, oh, for <laughs> God's sake. Absolutely ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say, any time we had the ball, I think it was one point where it looked like Gray, I think, might have kind of got through on goal, but it just didn't quite fall through. I was almost like, I was I was half thinking, don't score, don't score, <laughs> just, to, <laughs> just to make sure that um, I, I consolidated my lead, which is now extended to, um, to I've got a four-point lead now, so I've got 13 points at the top. James has got nine seconds, and you two, um, well, it's not even worth talking about. You're way down. <laughs> well, let's be fair, though, you did, you, I, you've got a 33% higher uh, than you did have last week, last oh, last time. You've now got four. Now got so four points. Wins the race. You know, <laughs> must know the. the to be fair, tortoise and the hare. I think. I think being, being with respect to that, actually, you've you've both got out of the five games we've had, you've both got four results right. Yeah, I was um, going to say that's all right. It's just the scores that's wrong. Yeah. So between us, I think that's actually quite impressive. So we've been there's four of us making predictions on five games, and. There's only been t- on two occasions where there's been uh, the result has been wrong, so that should be between us. We're all pretty good um, as as as, yeah. A, as a yeah yeah, yeah. hell yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, after we, we don't for them, we did predictions last week. James didn't do his, so tell us what James has predicted and wrap up ours as well. I'm looking forward to this weekend's game because I predicted the same as you, so I'm finally going to get one right. I was going to say yes. Yeah, so congratulations to Jamie, who's yes. going to pick up his first uh, his first score result of the season. Uh, me and Jamie have both correctly produ- predicted a one-one draw. Um, sadly, as, as true to form, unknown and ever, James and Natalie are far too optimistic. Um, <laughs> Natalie's gone for the one-nil win, and James has gone for a two-one win. So sadly, you're both wrong, and we're going to draw one each. Lovely stuff. So we'll leave it there for this week's podcast. Next week we'll be back to talk about the 1-1 draw at Watford, which is going to happen because Kev has predicted it. Thanks to Rick, who provides our artwork. Adam, who is our editor. Thanks to everyone who listens. Pledge to our Kickstarter, etc. If you want to get in touch, like Gina did, to complain that we're too optimistic, please do so. Email address is podcast at net. You can also tweet us at net. That's it for this week's, uh, it's supposed to be a mini midweek podcast, turning into a full-length one, obviously. <laughs> Thanks to Kev and Natalie for joining me. I've been Jamie Smith, this has been the Norn and Never podcast. Goodbye! Um, thanks to Rick who provides our artwork, Adam, our editor. Thanks Ooh, to... Could you get me a, could put my bit of potato on? No. I didn't realize I was, yeah, sorry. I don't know if he was, I, I just thought I heard him inhale as if he was going to speak. No. You, you heard me inhale. <laughs> yeah. you know God you go, damn, you're breathing, Kevin. I, I, I know what you mean. Just, just sounded very strange. This no. <laughs> bit's so rubbish. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, 
They are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.